From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. It's time for the Let's Be Frank show, where we get frank with your favorite celebrity and national touring comedians. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show. And if you miss our live broadcast on Comedy Slam Radio, find us on Stitcher Radio, Podomatic, and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's Podcast. Keep laughing, my friends. Good evening, and thank you again for tuning in to another Let's Be Frank Show with your host, Fat Davey, Dave Frank. This week, we got a great comedian. Nick Vatteroff, who you've probably seen on Comedy Central, and Jimmy Fallon. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing amazing. How are you doing? Not too bad. I practiced saying that name like three or four times to make sure I would get it right. Listen to it a you're couple of times. It, man. On you're, you're doing well. Nick <laughs> Vatteroff. You know, some people, I did, last night, guy got Vatteroff right, and then he called me Nate. So it's like, <laughs> He's like, did yeah. I get Vatterot right? I was like, yeah, man, maybe memorize. <laughs> I think he was so worried about the, the second half that he just, just just phoned in the first. Well, for me, it's a stickler because uh, I, I've worked in uh, in sales forever, and people are, love to hear their own name. Not that that's the reason I repeat it to you, but you have to be able to say their damn name right or it's going to go down, and people like to hear it. They want they want to be you know in conversations you know, and everything. So I've always practiced saying people's names right. Well, that's it's nice that you're that considerate. I mean, you know, people should never get too upset about. It. I mean, I don't really care, you know, because like last names are weird because they're just like uh, they're like a bunch of letters arranged in a way that you've never seen before, and all of a sudden you're supposed to be able to pronounce it right. <laughs> At least you did. Some people will they'll throw in. I hate when people will throw in a letter that's not even in the last name though. You know, like people will be like, is it Vatterbot? And like, no, the B is silent because it's not in it. Um, I looked at it at one point with some squinted eyes and I thought it was Vatter not. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that an R and N? So let me let me get a little more awake when I read this. I know it should be in Johnny's like three feet by three feet letters everywhere. <laughs> That's the goal, I'm right? I'm working on that, though. That's the goal in life, to have your name never, like Donald Trump, where it's like never, it's, Donald Trump's name is never small anywhere. It's only just just in giant with lights all around it, uh, up in the air. That's what I want. I want my name to be up in the air, always. There you go. Well, I've seen it on my TV on plenty of Comedy Central, because they play your oh, set. Oh, yeah, man. They play it all the time. Uh, that's actually, you know, before I had seen you on... Your Comedy Central special, I hadn't known of you. So I watched the show, and I'm like, you know what? I like this guy. He's pretty funny. And that's that's how it started out. Because a lot of the comedians, when I first started doing the show, it was just scouring the internet and Facebook. And then you get a little bit more educated on how to find people. And, oh, shit, I could DVR everybody that's been on Comedy Central and call them. (laughs) I know. It's it's so convenient. DVR is amazing. Because then you don't have to be, you know... Sometimes they they air at weird times. Sometimes sometimes it's on at like like a bunch of people called me. <laughs> I had some phone calls like, "Hey man, your your special aired at like it was like eight in the morning or something like that." And I was like, "Hilarious!" And they're like, oh. "Yeah, I watched it before I went to work." But DVR is amazing because then you can watch it whenever you want. Absolutely, I, I get most of the stuff that I watch on uh, Comedy Central. I DVR between like. Because you get all the little half-hour specials they're doing towards the end of the night before they want to play fitness videos. That's what they're doing. Right. They're, they're playing like a 15-minute set or 25 minutes. They mix it up, and it's great. See, I, I DVR all the fitness videos. That's what I do. <laughs> Sometimes I get home. I'm like, what? <laughs> the office, Thirty Rock. Ah. And I just watch fitness commercials, man. Absolutely. It's great. All those commercials, you know, they only play them. They play them at 3 in the morning for people who are already kind of, like, not doing the best of life. You know, like, every time I watch one of those things, I'm, like, drunk or stoned at 3 in the morning. I'm, I'm just by myself in my underwear. And it's like, do you want a different life? And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and they never play those at, the, at, like, at you know, like at 5 p.m. Because everybody has their shit together who's watching TV at 5. Absolutely. And they're too dirty. You see how 
how hot and scantily dressed those those girls are on these ten minute ab workouts and all this stuff. I think uh, yeah, I they need to do a comedy skit, like Saturday Night Live or somebody, maybe me and a couple of friends. I need to do ten minutes of fat exercises. Let's see. <laughs> you were in shape when you could last a ten minute video. You just got like four fat guys up there sweating their ass off, drinking Coca Colas, trying to get burger breaks. I think I, that was. It's, 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 it is, it's like, cause you like, you know, let, let's, let's be real. Three in the morning, you're drunk. I don't, listen, I don't want to start like, you know, I hate, I hate talking about jerking off, but let's be real. At three in the morning and you're drunk and you're by yourself and you're like, you know what? I shouldn't jerk off anymore. This is, that's not a good use of my time. And then they just show you just nothing but hot women, hot women, scantily clothed. Then they, then they dive into the the phone sex hotline. They're just, they're basically just going, Hey, you should jerk off right now. <laughs> like, no, I don't need to be doing that. Oh, it's basically, that's so weird though. They, they, they basically three in the morning and they have ads for jerking off is essentially what's happening. I think they're not the- even like, Hey, we'll get you some, but I, I, what I would crack me up is the, uh, adult friend finder because those aren't, because I feel bad for anyone who's trying to legitimately find an adult friend on that. <laughs> Absolutely. You are going to come away with, if you actually meet somebody, you're coming away with some kind of funky green mildew on your pecker. Exactly. Like, I, I, I like the idea of someone who's, like, not even, like, horny or wants sex. They're just like, you know what? All my friends are kind of teenagers. All my Maybe I'm a teacher. I just don't have a lot of, like, adult friends. So I'm going to find an adult friend, somebody I could go to the movies with, uh, with and, you know, and maybe play cards and, and do things. And then they're like, wait a minute, all these adult friends just want to fuck. <laughs> well, that's because they spent their childhood unable to do so. So now they join, <laughs> yeah. they join a site that says, well, maybe I can have some hope. <laughs> hope. That's what they should just three in the morning. Just hope for $5 a minute. Hope. Absolutely. I pay for that. Absolutely. Just somebody being like, Hey man, maybe it might work out. Absolutely. They got the new one where they just show all the most beautiful women in the world that you're never going to be able to get on the phone saying, we're waiting to talk to you. We live in Tampa and we want to, you know, whatever. And they're leaning on poles. And I'm like, you know what? That lady ain't in Tampa. None of this is going to happen. I ain't calling no number for a free 30 second confrontation. No, No. that can't happen. I got the internet. I got you porn. I could do the five knuckle shuffle in three minutes or less and go to bed. <laughs> you know. Is, yeah, that's also weird too. Just like the, uh, I mean, uh, talking to somebody that you don't know if if what they look like or if they're a man or a woman or any of that stuff is so weird. And uh, I, I always think it's weird. Sometimes I'll be like like touring and I'll be in a city like like a small city, like, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know, like Pittsfield, Massachusetts or Appleton, Wisconsin. And, uh, and I won't even be on like a dirty website. I'll just be like on whatever. And then just all of a sudden the, the, the ads pop up and it's like, uh, looking for, looking for adult ladies in the, in the Pittsfield area that want to have sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> I walked through Pittsfield. I saw all 10 people in Pittsfield. I don't think any of them want to fuck. Um, and I don't think, I don't think they want to have sex with me. I don't think I want to have sex with them. And I doubt that they're on this website going, anyone new in town? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what those ads for. Oh, one day I want to click on it just to see that I know it's just going to be spam or something like that. But I am curious, like what if just you click on it and someone just showed up and it's like, Oh, hello. Yes. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm, from, I'm next door. I want to fuck. <laughs> I guess people, my Wisconsin accent is Irish. You didn't, you couldn't tell. <laughs> well, you know, Irish. Hopefully, they like the Wisconsin cheese. Probably goes good with the beer. It's all, it's all the same. It's all just a horrible Jamaican Irish Wisconsin accent. How did oh, the Jamaican yeah, man? Cheese <laughs> in the beer and the weed. <laughs> that sounded just like the guy from the Red Stripe commercial. <laughs> that was me. That was nice. me. I was actually in those ads. So, yeah. Then they they didn't even use they they cut me out they just used my voice and put in a different actor that looked there cool. you go. Jamaican. You you did all the voiceover for Cool Runnings too. <laughs> all of them. Uh, I did all of Doug E. Doug's uh, voice. <laughs> <laughs>
Doug E. Doug, man, underrated actor. He did Cool Runnings. He was in the Cosby Show, the uh, the reinvented version. I mean, a real hot shit actor of our generation. Absolutely. So let me ask you. Let's get into the nitty gritty, Nick. Why the All hell right, did yeah. you decide to become a comedian, and when was it? Oh, you know, it's funny. I was I was just back home. Oh, oh, I'm choking on my own coffee. Um, I was just back home in St. Louis uh, over Christmas, and I came across this thing that I filled out in fifth grade, and it was like this career poster. It was like a, it was like a life poster, and and uh, you had to fill out uh, all this stuff. I mean, the thing was like it was as big as a door, and as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing. And you just wrote every single thing about you, like who your best friends were and what your favorite color is, and if you go anywhere in the world and there were just like a hundred questions like that. And I remember one of the questions was, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And in fifth grade, I wrote stand-up comedian uh, in that. And um, I feel like I kind of, that's just what I that's just what I wrote in fifth grade. I feel like that kind of went away. Uh, I think I also wanted to, I think the next year I wanted to be in the NBA. Um, I'm nice. five. You know, um, you know. The next year, I wanted to be a video game uh, uh, maker. I mean, it changed. It always changed. But in fifth grade, I did say that that's what I wanted to be. And then, as I was in college, and uh, my buddy started a sh- short form improv group at, at the University of Missouri, and asked me to be in it. I had never really done anything like that, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And uh, and it was fun. I had a blast doing it. And then I started writing a weekly column in the newspaper. It was kind of like a kind of like a opinion, but, uh, uh, but it was humorous and it was called my humble opinion. And I wrote, I wrote for that. And then people, people responded really well to that. I got all this like great mail. I was like, Oh, people, I can write something and people can like it. That's weird. And, uh, and then when me and the college stopped working out, I was like, well, you know what? The stuff that I not only love doing the most, but that I seem to be the best at was the improv and the, in the article, the humorous article that I wrote. So then I, I was like, you know what? Fuck, this college thing is not, I don't think college is good for finding what you want to do in your life. And I think college pointed towards not the education part, but towards the entertainment part, the humorous part. So then I decided uh, to move to Chicago. And then that's where I started doing sketch and improv and stand up and all that jazz. All right. What club did you start out there at? Zanies? Uh, yeah, you know, but I mean, like I was, uh, Zanies didn't come till years later, you know. I mean, I I was just running around the alternative scene, uh, you know, doing shows in the back of bars and open mics, and I mean, that's where like I feel I feel like that's even when I'm even today when I do clubs, it's, it's still like it's great to do them. That I, I feel like like my home is more like back of bars and stuff like that, the alternative, even black box theaters. Just those were the shows that I, I did for years because, you know, and, and then I did well at for years and I would go to a club and the club would be like, yeah, you're too, you're not right, you're not like club comic. And, you know, eventually the clubs came around. Uh, but uh, but Zanies was the first club to finally be like, all right, which was funny because Zanies, I, I actually, uh, Zanies was the only, when I was in Chicago, Zanies was the only club in town. Now they have like, uh, uh, Laugh Factory and, and Second City opened up. Uh, up is the name of the uh, place. There's an improv out in Schaumburg, which is a suburb of Chicago. But back then, Zanies was like the only game in town. And I remember auditioning there. I remember the first time I auditioned there, it was when the Cubs had become the Steve Bartman series uh, where uh, the Marlins uh, just <laughs> embarrassed uh, the Cubs, it was like their first chance to get in the World Series in like 100 years or something. And I, my audition was that night, so there was nobody in Chicago was going to see comedy. There was like six six people in from out of town that were at the show. And uh, and so like the booker is there. I'm in front of these six people from Indiana just being like, uh, talking about Chicago stuff. They didn't get it at all. Uh, I, you know, and then that was it. I never really... He kind of wrote me off. I feel after that, and I auditioned a couple more times, and it just never, I never really, I never really had the set that needed me to get work there. And then one day, at, there's a place called the Corn Conservatory, which is this black box theater in Chicago, run by Chemically Imbalanced Comedy, and they had a festival called Snub Fest, which was a festival where if you didn't get into another festival, you it was a festival of people who got snubbed from other festivals, which is a hilarious, awesome idea. 
but uh, <laughs> part of the problem with it is that they didn't get in other festivals, so not all of them are like, the best groups in the world. Uh, but I hosted it, and uh, so some of the groups kind of didn't do well, and then I tried to, like, I got the audience going again after each uh, act didn't do well. They had three celebrity judges in the festival, and the guy running, uh, Bert Haas, was running. Uh, he was booking Zanies. He was one of the guests on that show, saw that I kept getting the audience back. I wound up finally my first club work I ever got was because he was a judge. The Booker of Zanies was a judge at a place called the Conservatory at a weird thing called Snubfest. So it's so funny that that's how I wound up getting in over there. Absolutely. Now, I talked a few times to a, a great comedian who's out of Chicago now. Uh, and from what I understand, he gives back to the younger comedians coming up all the time. Uh, Dobie Maxwell? Dobie Maxwell, that's right. One, was, I, I worked with him once or twice at Zanies. Fun, fun guy to talk to. I've never gotten the pleasure to actually meet him in person yet, but plenty of phone and email conversations and a couple of different interviews here on the show. He really just seems like the guy that you want to be around when you're doing, you know, when you're coming up in comedy. He was, uh, you know, it was weird, though. It's like Dobie Maxwell, and uh, there was a guy, Uncle Lar, and there was a bunch of guys that um, just, I'd say veterans of the Chicago comedy scene, but they only really, there was a, I guess maybe a bit of a segregation. You know, like when I first started doing Zanies, it uh, it had Toby Maxwell and Uncle Lar and all these other guys, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Zanies just didn't feel a lot of the people on the scene weren't ready. Uh, but you know, there was the guys who did Zanies, and then there was the guys who would do the alternative rooms in Chicago. And it took it took many years for like anybody, at least in like I'll say my my class of uh, comedians that were coming up before we started doing stuff over there. But a lot of those guys, they never ventured into our world, and we couldn't get into theirs. So, you know, guys like that, we never, you know, I worked with, once I finally started working at Zanies, I think I, I worked with them one week. And, um, you know, he was nice and great, but it was it's always weird hearing about, like, Chicago guys when you're like, I'm in Chicago, and I know many of these guys, and the only place they play in Chicago is just Zanies, and that's it. Um, but I mean, but the, but uh, at the same time, he's paid his dues. He's been he was probably about twenty years before that. He was like all over the scene, and now he's just like, yeah, yeah. he's doing he's now. It's the only one that pays. Of course, right. I mean, all these other shows don't pay. You know, we're doing it just to work out stuff or whatever. Well, it's funny because, as you said, you know, twenty something years ago, he was a road comic, and that's it. He was everywhere, and he right. got sidetracked. And he said one of the biggest mistakes was doing radio as a regular job with a stable income and, you know, insurance and benefits. And that got him sidetracked. And then he had to go back out and hit the road again to, to almost reestablish or to get back up there again. Like he left for too long. But well, I mean, he could be, uh, let's say he just stayed on the road the whole time. Then he would have been burnt out by the time he, he got that, you know, uh, by the time he went up doing, going on the road again. He could have been burnt out on the road by that right. point and been like, you know what, I wish I would have mixed it up and done something different for a while. You know, it's always super easy to say you could have done something else. Right. Um, I think stable work is, I think that's, to me, that's all you can really ask for. Like, to me, like, you know, like, there's a, there's a million infinite levels of success of what you, you know, to me, like, to me, just, you, you, it's weird. People outside of comedy, they look at comedians as either Seinfeld or a failure. They don't see that there's <laughs> all these. They don't they because if they're like, oh, you're a comedian. Uh, they're like, that I'm doing. You know, it's like, hey, I'm I'm actually doing pretty good. I, you know, I finally uh, I, I I'm living off just my comedy. I mean, that's that's all I can ask. And they're like, it's so funny when people come up to, to me after shows, and I can like just crush and have the best show of my life for an hour, and people will come up afterwards and be like, hey, man keep it up. I, I can see this working out for you. And it's like, what does it take for it, for it to be, to it have worked out for me? Do I have to be like on my deathbed and be like, it worked out or, you know, or they want oh, to... I couldn't get any gigs last week. It didn't work out. See, I think in, you know, uh, you're getting on comedy central, which is, you know, right now the end all be all of comedy, you know, right. we're, we're gone are the days where HBO is doing an hour special. And, you know, it's just, 
it's just so much more of a saturated market for television that I, I think most of us, I mean, I'm 40, most of us who grew up, we grew up watching those one-hour specials before there was ever a Comedy Central to begin with. So you now, know, one night stand and all that stuff. I mean, that was all there was. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I grew up watching. Uh, you know, I remember some of the very first comics were Red Skelton, George Burns, Buddy Hackett, right. and then the Bill Cosby's and Eddie Murphy's and other people came along later. And I yeah. never even wanted to be a comic back then. I never thought it would happen. But uh, you right. know, it wasn't even. But I'm amazed. People are like, "Who are some of your favorite comics?" Uh, comics and i go back to those guys and they're like well that's so weird to hear like they expect me to hear all these newer names and you know those were the guys that got me interested in comedy was watching george burns sitting there on a cigar telling stories that were just like this out late you know outlandrous and fabulous stuff and i was just like holy cow this is phenomenal and all those guys set up the next class of guys you know i mean i think everyone's favorite comics are the ones that that they're exposed to, you know, like if you're growing up right now, there's just not a lot of George Burns being played out on TV in the no. internet, you know. Nope. Uh, now they're just they're now it's all Zach Al, it's Louis C.K., it's Patton Oswalt, it's uh, all these you know these great guys, and this will be the influence for people growing up now that later on you know to be like, uh, well, and then there'll be another class after them. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I don't really, uh, I, the people I identify with, with it's always, the, it's like with Saturday Night Live, too, and people are always like, the, the Saturday Night Live that you watched when you grew up, that's what everybody says was the best years of Saturday Night Live, you know? It's always funny that you talk to people, and they're like, oh, the best years were uh, Will Ferrell, or the best years were Dan Aykroyd, or the best years were uh, uh, Mike Myers and those guys. And you're like, uh, when did you watch Saturday Night Live? And they're like, oh, and you figure out that when they were like a teenager, exactly. whatever, whoever the cast was that year is like their favorite, <laughs> their like favorite cast. Exactly. Because uh, I it, tune it, in it, now it, and sometimes, like I tune in to Saturday Night Live and sometimes, you know, I still like it, but to me it's not the same as it was at all. Like I'm like, yeah, I miss my guys. Right. I, it's like I liked seeing, I, I was there from for Aykroyd uh, all the way up to Adam Sandler. And then after that it wasn't as, you know, after that I was like, ah. I don't watch it as much anymore. It's so funny. There's like a, there's like a, who was it? There was somebody who made the joke. Um, <clears throat> somebody made the joke as a host once on Saturday Night Live. They're like, you know, Saturday Night Live, it's, you know, it's, the critics were saying it was good and they were saying it was bad and they're saying it was good again. They're saying it's bad again. Then it was saying it's back and it's, it's gone and it's back again. And they go, and that was just the first season. And, um, <laughs> And I remember this, whoever this host was made, made this joke like it in, I think, like, late 80s or early 90s. <laughs> you know, like, this has always been a thing where ebbs and flows. And, you know, I mean, yeah, t to me, Saturday Night Live has, there's, it's too much. I like TV parody, but it's like the whole, it's almost the whole show is TV parody. It's a, it's everything's either a game show or a talk show or, a, you know, like, and I like it. I wish they I wish there was more just like just sketches. I felt like there was more just like straight up sketches when I was growing up uh that I I thought was more funny. But everything now is like a fake talk show, fake game show, fake some sort of TV parody. And uh which is fine. Um I think sketches are just it varies it mixes it up a little bit more. But then there's this, there's people growing up now that watch it and all the stuff relates to what they're pop culture stuff they're surrounded by, so they identify with it more. Um, and I always think it's weird, though, because you, uh, you can't write off what the past people have done. And I know so, I hate when people are like, they talk about the older comedians, they, they shit on, yeah, you know, uh, Pryor, or they'll shit on uh, uh, Carlin or something like that, and be like, oh, I don't these two guys are the best, but I listen to their stuff, and I don't get it. And it's just like, yeah, you, those guys... They've been re. People have copied them so many times that when you hear them, it doesn't even sound original anymore because they've been. They were so great that copied over and over and over. It's funny you say that. I, uh, I, 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 obviously, I go on stage as Fat Davey a lot of times, and I tell a lot of fat guy jokes. And I started to go down the. At one point, it was like eight months ago. I started writing uh, jokes about going on, going to buffets. 
And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I could pull this off after everything that's been out there by uh, John Panette and the buffets and everybody else. And I'm like, I did a couple of jokes and they went over and I'm like, you know, there's, I, I didn't feel that there was enough for me to dig in and get even five or 10 minutes worth of material out of it because it's been like, everybody be like, wait a minute, even, even though it's new, it's too, it's just too much like everybody else's. So it wasn't, it, I, I stayed away from it. It's so difficult. It. It's, I feel like I feel like the trick to comedy because <clears throat> you can come out, you can come out and say, "Hey, um, just do some weird, bizarre thing." Like I, a lot of stuff in comedy clubs. Like I, I have got material that I know works in comedy clubs. I know I have material that I I know works in the alternative rooms, and I know, and I and a lot of material doesn't work in the other world, and uh, and I feel like. Uh, people, the overall, the, the stuff that most people can, a lot of alternative comedy is, I don't know, they know more about comedy, so it's almost, a lot of the stuff is they, they like, they get all the devices, they get all the tricks of the trade, and what's funny to them is some sort of twist on that device, or twist on this type of joke, um, or twist on the style, and where mainstream is like, well, you don't see a lot of comedy, we just want to hear stuff that yeah, we can identify with in our lives, and so, but it's like, well, then you, you, the trick is, is like, what what does everybody think about? What is that thing where people go, as they're hearing it, they go, oh, aha, or yes, I've thought something similar to that, or, or oh, I've, I just was dealing with that recently. It's like you have to come up with something that everybody thinks, but that nobody's thought of yet. <laughs> someone that no comedians talked about yet on stage. You well, know? I, I watched you do something like that. Uh, I watched one of your videos today, and I think it was... Maybe it was Fallon, and uh, you were you were on the you you been on Jimmy Fallon, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was on Jimmy Fallon, and I was watching it, and I was buying into it just like the whole audience. And, <laughs> and you did the whole thing where, where where you were like, "Oh shit, I forgot my joke. Uh, yeah. I lost my spot." And you just go through that, and then you just fold. You know, you unfolded that huge piece of paper, and I, I was just like, <laughs> "What is this guy doing?" And then all of a sudden it went from, you know, from a little piece of paper to this big, huge thing. And then once it just opened up like two or three seconds, then you were like, when you first mentioned, like, I'm going to grab my notes. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's never getting on TV again. And then uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even see how they how they aired this. But then I was right? like, the joke goes on and it, and it was great. And that's I don't I don't think I've ever seen anybody else do something like that on the show or any of the shows. It was. It was funny because I did think, I was like, well, I go, people are not going to think, people are going to realize it's a joke because they're going to be like, they wouldn't air this if he genuinely forgot his stuff. Right. But 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 it's so funny that people were just, no one, I guess, you know, people don't, yeah, I, I, I knew people that even knew the bit and they said they watched it and they were like, they thought I genuinely forgot my stuff and, um, now, obviously, yeah. the TV producers and everybody knew you were going to do that, right? That means yeah, everything's, yeah. Everything's so scripted. On it. He was great because I kind of like looked at him and said, I, I go, hey, do you mind if I get out my notes? And he was like, so sorry. He played along. He was like, yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. It, it was pretty great that they let me do that. It was such a fun, fun thing. It was because it's a weird thing to do, and uh, it was so fun to do. And, um, It'll yeah, I was like, mem- I was uh, like, there's no way they're going to let me do this. There's no way people are going to believe they're going to be like, well, they wouldn't really air it uh, on TV. If you really forgot, they just do a retake or something. They'll do America's um, greatest Fallon blooper reel. That's where you'll be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and the audience was amazing because the audience totally bought it and they, uh, and they started cheering. They were cheering on. I, I, part of me almost felt a little bit bad. I was like, Oh, I'm totally fucking with all you guys. But they were like, I'm, I was like, I'm so sorry. I forgot. They're like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say I've done that bit at a couple of places. Uh, I haven't done it too much after Fallon, but I did, I did it at this college conference. So, and, and, and anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, go watch the Fallon set. Go to, go to, uh, you got to go to Oodles of Pun, Pun, which is the next E-U-N. question. Yes. And, How uh, in the it's hell? On there. Oodles of Pun, O O D L E S of Pun, P U N dot com. But on that site, they also want to know what the hell you think of the name Oodles of Pun. Like, why not just do your name? But hell, Oodles of Pun. So, so how'd you Here come up the- with that? 
here's the idea behind it a little bit. I would tell people go to uh, Nick Vatterai, look up Nick Vatterai, and nobody would, nobody, nobody knew how to spell it. No one knows how to spell Vatterai. V a t t e r o t t. I tell the people right in front of me that want to write it down. I go Nick Vatterai. They're like, what? Nick Vatterbop? No, it's Nick. It's Nick Vatterai. All right, Nate Vatterai. Uh, now you got again. You did. You said Nate instead of Nick, uh, like happened earlier. And then I, so then I had this brilliant idea. I was like, well, no one can ever remember Vatterot. Nobody can ever spell Vatterot. There's no way people are getting home from a comedy show and looking up Nick Vatterot and remembering how it's spelled or anything. So I was like, you know what? I got to come up with something easy for people to remember. So what I, I just try to think of something easy, something easy to remember. So I came up with oodles of pun. And I thought a pun using the word pun would be easy to remember. Uh, this has not been the case. <laughs> Every, but the whole point, the whole point of Oodles of Pun was I was trying to come up with like a catchy, fun thing that's easy to remember. Because no one can spell that or I, it doesn't matter. I, uh, I'll tell people Oodles of uh, they'll go, cool, uh, oodles, Noodles of Fun. No, no, it's a pun using the word pun. Oh, okay, great. Googles of pun. No, not Googles of pun. Oodles of pun. Great. All right. Noodles of noodles. No, that's not, <laughs> you know, and nobody, <laughs> nobody can remember it. So I just now have just two websites that nobody can ever remember. There you go. <laughs> you, got a, you got a great picture on the front page of the Nick Vatterot one, though. Great picture. Other than that, just oh, go Oh, yeah. I love that one. Mindy Tucker <laughs> took that. I've always wanted to. I always had a funny idea for a picture I always wanted to do that was just the idea of yelling into a microphone and the microphone's hooked up to headphones on your head is so funny to me. Well, so uh Mini Tucker for uh, this magazine took the picture. I was like, this is perfect. What's up with the uh what I can only assume is some kind of a weirdo outfit that you're in? Like it looks like you're is it yellow or black you're standing there just from like a costume from head to toe? Is it the taco? Is it Taco Jason? Uh, if I knew that, I wouldn't be asking, man. No, it's it's an all. <laughs> it's 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 an all. Uh, you know what? No, it's the picture on your Facebook. And you're just in like a black tights, uh, and just yes. just your face so, is showing. That's so. I I have a couple pictures of me with birds, uh, and to me. I met a parrot, uh, uh, I met a cockatoo on the streets of Chicago in the dead of winter to this guy uh, uh, where he got my picture taken and then it tried to bite off my hat, right? It's a picture. So that, that picture was amazing. Because who, I was just walking down Chicago. I mean, it's February, it's freezing, and this guy just has a cockatoo on his shoulder. And I was like, well, I can't not talk to this guy for a little bit to see what his craziness is like. Um, and then this picture is uh, so mashup on Comedy Central we did uh, uh, which I worked on uh, eight episodes with and we did what it, so you know on my episode mashup the premise is everybody does stand up but then they cut away from the stand up and you see people act out your bits so I have this alphabet bit uh, that I do and I got to dress up as the letter Q in my bit so on this day of shooting we, on this day of shooting, I wear this giant black unitard, and then I wear this giant Q costume over that. And so I was out of my Q, but in the still, still in the black unitard. And they had a penguin uh, for the end of the bit uh, in the sketch, and so I just got to hang out with this penguin for a little bit, and that's that's what that picture is from. Nice, but I like I Super also like the one on the front where you're yelling into your own headphones. That is a great shot. It looks oh good. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's how I feel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just screaming into my own head. All right. So let's get in a little bit more about uh, your comedy. Uh, how do you write? What kind of, you know, what's your method when you're, when you're writing new material? I feel like one thing I feel that I don't do is I. I have a hard time putting pen down to paper. Um, I think if something happens, what I like to do is just kind of like note note it and then and then kind of like walk around and talk it out to myself when no one else is around, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, 
Like, I don't know. I mean, there's this thing, like just last week, I and I know airplane jokes are totally overdone, but I was on an airplane joke. I was on an airplane joke. I was, <laughs> I was, I was about to be on an airplane joke. I was in an airplane, and the, the flight attendants, it was just cracking me up that the uh, people in the exit row, she's got to do this, she has to get a verbal confirmation from them. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's always funny, you know, because, like, awkward things in life, I think, stick out. And anytime anything super awkward happens, a lot of time that's something that you're like, oh, this is interesting. Is this, would this be funny to talk about on stage? And there's something so awkward about the flight attendant trying to get the verbal confirmation from people in the exit row that just don't, it's like six in the morning. They don't really want to talk to them. They're pretending that they aren't listening to her. They're pretending that they're not there. And she's like, I need, I need to get a, a, a verbal confirmation. And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'll do it. And they're like, no, I need yes or no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And like, no one's really, no one's, she's frustrated that no one's saying yes or no. They're frustrated. They have to talk to somebody. And then I saw a guy say no, which cracked, which, you know, so then once you start seeing something and you start laughing about something, then you're like, oh, this is something that'd be fun to talk about. Because the guy said no, and she was, which was so funny to me, that she's like, in the event of emergency, are you willing and able to, to help your fellow passengers? And this totally able-bodied man was like, no, I'm not helping anybody. <laughs> and that, and she was like, know. well, if you, don't, if you don't say yes, then you have to sit bitch in this row in the back. And he was like, yeah, I'll do that. And he, this guy would rather sit bitch and have the window seat in the luxurious exit, exit row. And that just totally cracked me up. <clears throat> so, like, that's something that I thought about. And so then, you know, I kind of, like, jotted that down, how funny it was that this guy said no. And then, like, later on, I was just kind of walking. A lot of times I arrive and I walk around. I walk, I, I, I walk around in the shower. Uh, no, I, I take showers and I kind of talk to myself. I walk When I'm walking somewhere, I'll start talking to myself and just kind of, like, start talking it out and, and seeing what it would, what's, I, I feel like I have to say it out loud. And some, you know, I feel like I, I was, I, I got to some city and I was just walking somewhere to eat and I started kind of telling myself that whole thing that I saw in that morning and talking it out and pretending, you know, like if I was on stage, how would this go? And, and, uh, and what was funny to me about it. And as I'm talking and walking, I think I, I found like the idea of, I asked myself, why does, why doesn't he just lie? If he, if the guy really didn't want to sit there, why didn't why didn't he just lie? Because first of all, the plane's not going to crash. Two, if it does crash, you're probably not going to live through it. So who's there to yell guy, at? Him? What's that? Who's there to yell at him? But you said exactly. you would help. <clears throat> hey, you promised. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, sorry, plane's on fire. I got to get out of here. And you're like, oh, I gave you this. We had a deal. Yes. You know? <clears throat> so then I'm like, so then I start acting up. And as I'm walking around, I must look like a crazy person. Sometimes if you see somebody talking to themselves and they're not on a Bluetooth, just assume they're a comedian acting out of pit. There you go. I think that's kind of what I do. I walk around, I start talking, and next thing you know, I'm on a street corner going, hey, let's come back here. And I was like, no, man, I gotta, I, the plane's about to blow up. I got to go home. You know, and I was like, who's he talking to? And why is he yelling? And what plane is he talking about? I, so get that I think at, that's a little bit of my weird writing process. Uh, I, I get funny looks at work a lot because I, uh, you know, I got one of these Fandango smartphone things, and they all got Fancy. the foot. You know, they got the, the, I have one of those Android ones and they got all the voice recorders. So I'll get a good idea and that nowhere I'll just be standing at work and I start talking all this, either these ideas and sometimes some filth into my phone. And people are like, what the hell is Dave doing? And everybody's like, oh, he does comedies part time. He probably just had some killer idea and spoke it into his phone. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to write it down. He just voice to text everything. Do they ever do they ever ask you if you're do they ever go do you talk about us do you tell jokes about us in the beginning uh when I first got into comedy I did talk a little bit about my job and I've totally moved away from it now because yeah. my job is like a fortune 20 company so they're super super huge oh, and wow. I you know, I may be just a lowly PS uh, Greenpeace salesperson for him, but I want to continue to be that because comedy ain't paying me anywhere near the same amount of money. <laughs> the fortune, yes. 
So uh, no, yeah, no comedians making Fortune twenty money. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not making Fortune twenty money. I'm just, I just, I'm on the lower end of a company that does. So yeah, if I was making Fortune twenty money, I probably would not be interested in doing anything but that job. I'd be taking my <laughs> whatever those six or seven figures would be. I would work a couple of years and run away to some fucking country that nobody oh, know. knows my name and live like a fat king of the world for the rest of my life with beautiful Mexican women bringing me grapes and BJ's. Isn't that weird that that's the whole, that's the whole goal? The whole, everyone's <laughs> just like, like if you can do anything, everyone's just like, well, I get the fuck out of America. I go to some weird island and just be surrounded by people I don't know well. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I think Mexico is the perfect place because we're, we're becoming very Mexican here anyway. I enjoy right. their food. I just don't have to eat the ice or drink the water, and it's kind of just like being here. And if I do it out by California, I could just drive up yeah. into just drive up into California when I don't feel good. You can <laughs> you can fake enough of the language, you know. You get yeah. you, you got whatever they talk, you get a gist of what they're talking about. Listen, I'm fat. Anything they're all just gonna assume I'm asking for food. Oh, he's hungry. <laughs> just, just give him food; he'll go away. And I will just—I don't care what my problem was. You give me one of them uh, flank steaks, cooked Mexican style, or some crazy oh, taste of burrito. Oh, fajita, baby! Ah, uh, it's—it's all good, man. It is—it is the best. I—I I, I spent a decent time in Mexico, and just like uh, me, if you're going to meet, ask for a michelada. It's the most amazing alcoholic drink I've ever had. Yeah. I love it so much. What's it? Oh my gosh! If you like blood, it's kind of like if, I don't know. If you like Bloody Marys, it's like a bloody beer, but it's it's done with it's, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know. I don't uh, know how to explain it. It's just uh, awesome. I'm not actually. Treat I'm not yourself. a big drinker. I can drink some beer here and there, but when I do, I enjoy the darkest beers going, like Guinness. Ooh, Negro Modelo is a good one. A good dark <laughs> Mexican beer. And when I'm drinking alcohol, I switch over to I. I could just. Do shots or sip Jägermeister on the rocks, and it's just heavenly. If it's like dark and syrupy, and it's just mm, mm, good, I should be. I you should like have puckers? a. You like apple puckers? That's super syrupy. No, because it's too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's too sweet. I am not a sweet guy. I am a big fat bastard, but I am full <laughs> of Chinese food and burgers. There's not too many chocolate bars and, and stuff like that in here. I, it's like the big, only a big toe's worth. I, I am fat on real food. Something about those sweets just don't do it for me. Oh, man, yeah. You need some meat, man. You need some mayonnaise, some deep-fried mayonnaise butter. Deep-fried mayonnaise butter. The only thing that, <laughs> you know, I, I like deep-fried, and for a fat guy, I own not one ounce of mayonnaise, butter, condiments. I don't keep any of that in the house. It's kind of weird. I'm one of those guys where I'll eat a whole bunch of shit, but... If it doesn't taste good on its own, I don't want to eat it. Like when you go to the Chinese restaurant and they're like, you want extra sauce? And I'm like, well, did you cook it right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, then it probably tastes good. So, no, I don't want no fucking different sauce. I don't know. I like dipping, man. I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I go somewhere. I just need I just, need, I just want more of everything. I feel like <laughs> if I, I, I like to have the option to dip it at something. I don't even care. Yeah. I, I'll be like, just give me give me some sort of dip. But it doesn't get dipped. That's a hamburger. I don't know. I want to dip something. I want more stuff to do when I yeah. do it. There's only one thing in life uh, to be a little perverted, maybe two things that I want to dip, and they're both warm and moist, and uh, they don't involve feeding my hunger sensation. I know what you're talking about. I, I you know, flan. Most... <laughs> yes, flan. It's soft. It's mushy. <laughs> I want to do my own uh, American Pie version of flan. I want to be on a counter <laughs> with my fat white ass making out with some flan. That would be heavenly. <laughs> what better could you want than making out with flan? Maybe just some Jägermeister to sip down with it. And it's just like it feels just like an ice cold vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you like man. having sex with dead people, flan is your next best thing. <laughs> oh, That's so gross, and someone's going to try it. Oh. And if you do try it, please call in to the Let's Be Frank show or send me an email or something. Uh, I don't know yeah, if I want to no hear this. Yeah, it. I was going to say, I don't know if I want to hear the story or just see pictures or vice versa. 
Uh, I may need to see a picture just to believe it really happened, and I'll post it on the Let's Be Frank show page or Fat Davy page and Twitter. If you were man enough to fuck a flan, I will post and it. And if you do fuck a flan, don't serve the flan. And don't eat the flan. <laughs> Just throw away the flan. The flan has had enough. Yes. <laughs> Let it, the flan go. Throw it, it in the ocean. It did its job. It is good. So we got about six, seven minutes left in the show, Nick. Tell me some of your up-and-coming places where people can see at. What's going on? Holy crap, man! I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be in uh, Go Bananas here um, on uh, let's see, I know March 21st to 24th. You can see me at Go Bananas Comedy Club. I've never gone bananas before, but I'm looking forward to being bananaed. There you go. Now, is that in? Where is that? Because I know you're going back. I know we were talking the other day. You're going back and forth right now. Is it between New York and L.A.? Oh yeah, yeah. Doing. I'm in New York most. That's mostly New York. I do a lot of stuff at the Creek and Cave and uh, Comedy Club in Long Island City. Um, and uh, yeah, L.A. I don't know. I'm just going out there. I'm trying to make some money, man. I'm trying to get a piece of that sweet, sweet flan. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody's making money off of out there. There you go. Um, Isn't yeah, this man. Pilot Week? Should you be out there for Pilot Week trying to get famous? Yeah, tell somebody if they're looking to cast a small, weird-looking, bald guy that I am their man. All right, but if if it works, i got to get like 20% because I've been pitching a short, weird-looking fat man, and I haven't gotten <laughs> any action on that at all. Nothing. All the, be, uh, there should be a sequel to Jake and the Fat Man. It'd be called Short Guy and the Fat Guy. Absolutely. Let's go. If anybody from corporate... Uh, entertainment world wants to hire Dave Frank and Nick Vadernot to be the new Jake and the Fat Man. I will gladly play Jake, and Nick will gladly put on about two hundred and fifty pounds to get that role. I just want—I do always want to. My goal is to have to fatten up for a role. I've always—I've always been jealous <laughs> of that. When like Sylvester Stallone puts on thirty pounds, and he's just like. He's still super chiseled. What was that one movie where he put on weight? And just like you're still, you still could bench everybody you know. Absolutely. Um, That's because he puts it on with a cocktail. <laughs> he, he puts it on with <laughs> yeah, muscle exactly. weight. He would. He would take like performance enhance. He'd be like fat enhancing drugs or something like well, FEDs. Well, didn't he get caught coming from Mexico to California with some human growth hormone once? Like oh, four? yeah, like Australia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but everybody knew. And we don't care. I don't no, know. It's just make me laugh or beat somebody me. up. What's that? As long as he can make me laugh or beat somebody up, I really don't care what you need to do to get there. Like, I don't care. Give, I don't care. I think they should give the one nut wonder all his trophies back. Screw it. Oh, you think so? Absolutely. Some, yeah. He had, the, uh... he had the ball enough to do the drugs and to still ride. <laughs> Let him give him, his, give him his props. Screw it. I mean, we actually paid attention for cycling. Nobody cares about cycling. He made it interesting for a while. Same thing with baseball. Baseball had that big strike, and then all of a sudden, if the home run, con- you know, between Sammy Sosa and McGuire didn't take place after the strike, they- baseball would have been, would have been dead. Baseball. Absolutely. Steroids saved baseball. I'm going to write a book. There you go. It sounds good. Steroids saves baseball. The now, Nick Batterot story. There, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know much about what I'm talking about, but this is going to be 300 pages. <laughs> there you go. If you could come up with 300 pages of absolutely nothing, that's awesome. I just had to. <laughs> I'm just doing. A, I had to do my first writing assignment. I'm uh, taking. I'm reading a book, and I'm trying to do a little bit of uh, maneuvering, maybe from comedy to a little bit more public speaking because there's a little bit more money available there. Ooh. And. Uh, so I had to do my first writing assignment, and it's funny. I'm 40 years old, and you don't think about in today's day and age how often you don't write in in the right. assignment. And it was uh, it was a book by Judy Carter. It's called The Message of You. And uh, the first assignment that I got was I had 20 minutes to answer nine questions, and you had to write for 20 minutes straight. And it wasn't that I ran out of stuff to to write about. But my forearm hurt so fucking bad from writing for 20 <laughs> minutes. Like, because I type everything or I use the speech to text. Yeah. So it's crazy. So I was like, holy cow, this is the hardest part. 
Have you tried to draw recently? I tried to draw recently for the first time since I was probably maybe, uh, I think since a kid. I think I, I think I got pubes, I stopped drawing, and then 20 years <laughs> later, I tried to draw. Because I, I, I thought of a funny cartoon, and I was like, I'll draw it. And I sat down to draw it, and I just, I looked like a little kid trying to draw. I, I just, I, I, I picture what I want it to look like, and my hand just, just makes a weird circle and I'm like I'm drawing stick men people I go this is <laughs> really I don't know what I thought I don't know if I thought like in 20 years oh I'll just be a better drawer because I'll be older and it's like I'm, I draw like a little kid and it's there really sad just like I still write but listen I mean because it's still illegible but uh illegible that's a horrible word I can't even get it out but we got about Lil one minute <laughs> We got about one minute left. Give me my rat name, little ill, little illegible, Ellie, 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 Ellie. Hey, we got about one minute left in the show. So, real quick, let people know where they can find you on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, give them the name to your freaky website again. Uh, Oodlesofpun dot com. Don't worry, you've already forgotten it. Um, Nick Vatrot, N-I-C-K-V-A-T-T-E-R-O-T-T.com. I'm on Twitter. i got a Facebook thing. I have, uh, me and TJ Miller had a web series, uh, called RBC. Uh, it's a home shopping network, uh, kind of basically satire, six episodes. There's an interactive, uh, uh it's an interactive website, so you can put in, uh, your phone numbers and and uh, we never it, it, no one they I didn't show you the phone numbers and go anywhere but just the website and you get like texts and phone calls from the characters in the show while the episode's happening. Uh, it's super fun. We got a lot of fun guest stars on there. That's on rides r e d e s dot tv. It's called RBC. And uh, yeah, man, just I might be just lurking around in general. So always look behind your shoulder because I might be standing there. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick. We got to cut to the end of the show. I hope everybody behind them just now as I said that. Wouldn't they that be should. Weird? For some person, I'm going to be behind them when they hear that. Absolutely. Nick, thank you very much for spending some time with us. You have a great night. This show's going to be airing soon, and we look forward to hearing back from you and seeing what's going on in the future. I thank you so much. It was super fun. All right. Thank you, and have a great night. All right. Take care, Frank. Bye-bye. <laughs> We've come to the end of another edition of the Let's Be Frank show. To catch up on past shows, find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Podomatic at Let's Be Frank's Podcasts. Want to be part of the show? Email Dave at Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank at Yahoo.com. Stay funny, my friends. See you next week.